Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Man Up Podcast, our spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, we're regular guys, each of us on their own unique faith journey. And we get together every week to talk a little about that and and look at some scripture and really hash it out. We don't really go for the church answers. We're willing to ask some tough questions. Uh, We uh, have got our regular group here today. First of all, I want to wish Robert Koshu, our... our, uh, a happy birthday. Is it your birthday today? Happy birthday to you. We're not. <laughs> is it today? Uh, it is. Robert. Today? So he's it coming is. out. He could be. Again. I am. <laughs> he, he could be uh, there having birthday cake. And, and this is dedication and commitment. Uh, and of course, uh, we've got Kyle Trahan, our deacon. Michael Cropper, our prosecutor, yep. and myself, uh, Steve Titch, a policy writer, sometime poker player. Where is Bill again, Steve? And Bill, Bill, Bill is on the Bill. disabled list. <laughs> we put him on the IR. Got him on reserve. I do. I do hope he's not. Uh, he's not going to be there long. We we want him activated and back, but he is taking it easy a bit. Uh, we hope we hope to have him back soon and we're i hope you're listening out there bill our thoughts prayers and and humor is with us we, we miss your your brio yes. introductions yes. Uh, and so uh in substitution for him i'll simply say we're coming from sugarland baptist church in sugarland texas just outside houston uh before we start i want to make a uh, shout out to bob billups who is the publisher of uh, Baptist Way Press, yes. the company that publishes the study guides we use uh, and base each week's scripture discussion on. Uh, Bob was at our church Sunday. He was uh, meeting with the leaders of our adult Bible fellowships, um, and I had a chance to meet him briefly. And I hope uh, he's listening in. Uh, shout out to Bob. We love these studies, and it gives us. Um, uh, it gives a, go- a good foundation, just like Scripture says. I think I think this podcast uh, wouldn't be anywhere near as good as if we, we didn't have uh, some weekly Scripture to base our discussion on. So, where are we? We are in Second Corinthians chapter seven, a very interesting study and topic because it plays very much into things men men really aren't that great at. Maybe everybody isn't great at. It's giving and receiving criticism. Uh, well, let's get get right to it. Uh, let's, um, well, what, what, any opening, any opening statements here? <laughs> yeah, this is one of those that, and, and we'll kind of talk about, I joked about it as we got started, that this was a quote-unquote big man, not large man, but a big issue for men and leaders in particular because this particular passage talks about being able to give and receive criticism. And it's something that we all have to do as men and all have to do as leaders. And so this is one of those that is brings an interesting perspective 
into the lesson as we look at it. Michael, I would agree. <laughs> now, folks, when you hear the when you hear the scriptures, now you're only going to hear a, a carved out portion of scriptures. We don't have time to read the whole chapter. We're going to be in Second Corinthians seven, like Steve said, and it would help if you want to look back later and look at Second Corinthians six and the first four scriptures of Second uh, Corinthians seven to to put things in perspective. But Paul talks about a great comfort he experiences here. And it goes back to the letters he and disciplines he told the Corinthians to do. When we started Corinthians, we talked about this. The Corinthians, uh, Paul started the church way back when, and they had all sorts of conflicts from idol worship, from uh, theorizing um, what, what are the gods in the skies, we call them, the uh, astrology, all sorts of things that they looked at and worshipped. And, and Paul created the church or, or through God and his Holy Spirit, he preached them, they started the church. And then later they began to send him in letters and he began to hear all sorts of uh, information that they were allowing things and couldn't get past certain things, which some of you may remember that we talked about um, eating meat offered to idols. That was a very big thing to Paul to study about. And then he had a person in the church uh, 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 a son who was ha sleeping with his dad's wife. I guess we're guessing, guessing the stepmother, right? All sorts of things that that are just Paul couldn't believe they weren't dealing with them without him yelling at them. But he yelled at them in letters. And so uh, today's group of scriptures is a fruition of a lot of those things that have occurred. So when when you hear the scriptures, Robert's going to read those later. Uh, you can put it in perspective, and a lot of good things have come about because of the discipline he has, he has instructed them in. I just want to wait to get into the conversation. Oh, I, 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 I'll, I'll just to supplement what you're saying. We, we have two letters. We know there is a third. Uh, it's a lot has to be inferred between references he makes about writing. Scholars think That's there may have point. been anywhere between three and six. Mm -hmm. So there may have been... This extended dialogue going on with the church that some that the two letters we have only hint at, but yes, there it was, was this, there was this tension. So, uh, Robert, why don't you go ahead and, and read? Uh, we are in Second Corinthians, chapter seven, verses five through sixteen. Okay. For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so we're not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. 
So even though I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did wrong or of the injured party, but rather that before God you could see for yourselves how devoted to us you are. By all this we are encouraged. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you. I had boasted to him about you, and you have not embarrassed me. But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting about you to Titus has proved to be true as well. And his affection for you all is greater than when he remembers that you were all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. I am glad I can have complete confidence in you. Thank you. This, this, oh, this reminds me of, of, of our children. Uh, I, I was thinking back on this, and uh, when I had to discipline my son when he was two, three, four, five years old, and, and, and Paul is talking to them as though they're children, and many of the situations we shared about earlier, that, that I mentioned earlier, and the disciplining of, and, and many of the trials that they were having, or the, uh, the sinful possible acts that were going through the church, it reminded me of uh, uh, when I talked to my son and I would have to discipline him. Uh, I, and I'd tell him, I said, uh, Chris, I, I love you very much. And I'm going to have to spank you. And in my case, I believe in spanking, still do. But I said, I have to spank you because the Bible tells me that if I don't discipline you, I don't love you. And Paul went through all this conflict. If you, if you listen to what Robert read to us, he was worried about whether or not they were going to see, receive his discipline. And like Steve said, this has happened in several different letters. This was the second letter. I mentioned some things from the first letter. But he was worried about their reaction and how they were going to take his instructions and what they needed to do to correct the situations. And he says, I caused you sorrow in my letter. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to, call my son, I'm going to cause my son sorrow. <laughs> But I don't know how he's going to take it, but you really don't know, and you, you can't worry about that if you love your children. And, and, I, and this is what it reminds me of, this set of facts. Well, yeah, he kind this of goes through that feeling. I mean, he kind of says two things right back to back. I do not regret it. He does not really regret bringing out the criticism, right. even though he regrets that they were saddened by it. He, he regrets it had to be done. There, that's I, what I, I was about to one. say. Is I, I, my my <clears throat> reading of this is he regrets that he had to go go yeah. that far. Kind of kind of like, and and Mike said, when we discipline our children. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know the old adage: "It hurts me more than it hurts mm-hmm. you." I never understood that until I was a dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it really mm-hmm. does. It hurts you a lot more than it hurts them that you're having to discipline them. Yeah. To that extent, and there was no other way about yeah. it. You have to do it, you know. And and I think and I think that was the thing Paul realized that, you know, as Steve alluded to, there was this probably this very long conversation going back and forth mm-hmm. between Paul and this church because this church, it was in a very we've discussed several times how much of a cosmopolitan city, yes. for lack of a better term, that Corinth was at the time, you know, the temple on every corner and the idol worship and the prostitution and all that other good stuff. And so the church had a hard time because they had a bunch of baby believers. And so those baby believers had to figure out how to bring that in and how to be apart from the culture that was there. And so they had to really think about everything that was involved and sometimes they didn't think right 
simply because they didn't have enough experience. Yeah, and the pressure from everybody around him, like you say, Robert, probably less than one in a hundred was a Christian believer. That was one church that we know about. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the pressure at work, the pressure at play, pressure everywhere around you, your neighbors, everything was to follow the norm of the city, which, like you said, was prostitution for idol worship and everything, and uh, eating meat off the idols, um, who knows what else. The city was a very rich city too. Yes, right. Is in a location very, very, very well to do. Mm -hmm. it, I, it, it, I almost want to compare it to Sugarland, where we live, because we're we are in a very, I would, it's affluent, but not we're not twenty rich. No, it's it's upper middle class. I mean, and and you know, we're, Houston is very cosmopolitan. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. got its seedier parts. Yeah, um, that's correct. And but yeah, but yes, it's that. But it's very much to, to say what you're saying. It's very much of this world. You're, you've mm -hmm. got you've got all the distractions. We don't necessarily have to, you know, the, the, uh, prostitution and sex aside. Just the 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 attraction of affluence, the distraction of affluence, of materialism, of of of. of of time, we're all working. Got you know, we want our kids involved in things. Uh, it's it's a lot of competition. Uh, some of it is not necessarily uh, sinful automatically, but there's there's when you're in an affluent society, it's tough because yes, well, it is. even even if you're even if you're not really partaking in the worst of it, you're yeah. you're you're dealing with this day to day. Well, you're you're dealing with the the conflict of, if nothing else, and, and I know, I mean, Steve, you're, you have a teenage son right now. Both my children have grown up. But at one point, my children, the only things they were involved in, they were both involved in Boy Scouts. They both did stuff here at the church. And they were in band in high school. And frankly, I felt like my children were under-socialized <laughs> in comparison to other kids that yeah. they were talking to and hanging out with and everything else. And I'm just like going, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, because in addition to that, there were other kids who were doing, you know, their band and they were playing football. And then they were running track. And then they were playing basketball. And then they were going to go do Little League Baseball. And, oh, by the way, then there was Select Baseball. And then there was a soccer mm -hmm. club. And then there was, you know, on top of everything else. And tr just trying to compete with all of that what got put on the back burner for a lot of those families was God was, was, was. and their religion and their faith and mm -hmm. all of those things because it was just such a struggle. And I think that, you know, and, and Steve and I both were at, uh, we had the, our men's group had Dr. Jeremiah Johnson, the author of Unimaginable, was here, which awesome book. I highly recommend it to everyone. I'm, I, I got dealing with a bout of bronchitis, so I'm on about chapter 8 now. <laughs> I kind of got knocked out a little that bit is, on the reading schedule. That is the, I think the full title is What the World Would have been, would Be Like Without Christianity. <coughs> yeah. Uh, yes. And actually, he's a, it was a great talk. Um, we'll, we'll, hold on, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll bring that up yeah. toward the end. <coughs> we have a shout-out. Come, come, come uh, back to that a little, little bit. More yeah. the, but, but yes. Well, you would think, you would think back then, they had all these distractions, but what you just stated, Robert, it's the is, same it, now. It's the same now, only it's electronic, it's digital, it's <laughs> athletics, whatever it is. Because I have trouble 
sitting down and reading the Bible and studying it because I want to turn on YouTube or something <laughs> or a football game or Any something like thing. that, right? Mm -hmm. It's very, very easy for us to get drawn off of our intent to, to put a heart into the Bible well, and study. And, and what's really interesting, I'm doing, I'm reading a couple of books right now. Um, one of them is called Deep Work. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how the American mind has actually almost been rewired, and your mind is rewired now by the amount of switching that you're doing from one thing to another. And so because of that, we're not able to really get into deep thinking. And, you know, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm trying to put that into, well, how does that impact your faith? Because like you said, Mike, you know, it, sit there and try to spend time reading your Bible or praying or, you know, and then your mind goes to, well, I've got this email i got to answer, and then there's this project at work, and oh my gosh, my wife yes. told me to pick up bread. Yeah. Well, let's not forget those games with words with uh, friends. And, you know, yeah. I mean, there's always Everything. another distraction, well, right. another layer. I think you're right. I think we're, we're, you're, you're, we, we become distraction society. We become ADHD <clears throat> nation. Yes, uh, uh, that's and, right. And, and be, because everything encourages <laughs> to, to do that. Yeah. Go back to our our, our, our topic, um, which yeah. which which I don't, uh, which I which I think this is this is part of it. But this whole idea of criticism and and um, what's interesting here is Second Corinthians is a a lot. There's still the concerns there, but it's a little bit more hopeful than First Corinthians. Yes, and and we see that working out in this in this section. And I, I want to kind of talk about Paul's attitude. Here, uh, he is. He clearly feels, I think, that the Corinthians have come through this a little stronger. He's commending them, and he's saying, "I know you felt bad. I know there was some arguing and metaphorical slamming of doors and screaming, but you." He he reports that Titus went, and, and I'm not sure if he, he even knew what Titus was going to. Encounter. He sent Titus, of course, was was one of Paul's, uh, for lack of a better word, lieutenant. He was he was uh, a mission partner. He sends Titus to Corinth, and Titus comes back, and Titus has a lot of nice things to say. Right. And and Paul is obviously very happy about that, and he he expresses that here. Uh, so, well, and and it's interesting because in eleven through twelve. It talks about starting with see what this godly <coughs> sorrow has produced mm -hmm. in you. And then it talks about earnestness and some other stuff. I'm, I pulled this up in the message real quick. And 11 through 12 in the message. And now isn't it wonderful all the ways in which this distress has goaded you closer to God. You're more alive, more concerned, more sensitive, more reverent, more human, more passionate, more responsible. Looked at from any angle, you've come out of this with purity of heart, and that is what I was hoping for in the first place when I wrote the letter. I like the message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. I, um, well, I, I like the. I, I like the other ones were. It, it, you know, it was earnest, and I made sorrow, and up to repentance, and it didn't quite. To me, when I read this, I'm just looking at all the. Look at all the things. Proper criticism leveled by Paul that hurt him because he admitted to it brought them you know it gives them they're more alive more concerned you know with their fellow man they're more sensitive to people they're more responsible passionate human even 
and that they've come out of it with a purity of heart, he says. It, what you're saying is true. It doesn't say that they're happy, though, but it says Titus and Paul are happy. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was rather funny. But no, what is, what is done is, like you said, Robert, it caused them to reevaluate everything in their walk with the Lord mm -hmm. and to be concerned with it, be strong, uh, turn toward the Lord, and uh, handle everything earnestly. Um, and with great concern, like you said. Yeah. So uh, as they approach it and approach everything they're at, because the criticism is something that they have to work mm -hmm. with and deal with as they're moving through. Yes. And and I like it that he he at least he doesn't say he he told Titus he tells them he told Titus these guys were good basically good. Um, he, vow, he he didn't he didn't bad mouth them to Titus and go down there and finish what I started and knock some sense into them. He said he, he basically he says I uh, boasted to him about you and he, he spoke well of them and he I, I, as a parent you can you didn't embarrass me you 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 you, you made me proud yeah. he he went in and you welcomed him and and uh, you you had a, you you you. you you exhibited your spirit as you move forward. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's been it's one of those, and mm -hmm. and and this is I think where you now we'll, we'll take a little because we we like talking about in men up that every man is a leader in his circle mm -hmm. of influence. This is something that in today's world men have to do. We have mm -hmm. to be able to criticize each other, our families, at our work mm -hmm. life, and everything else. And, and this is kind of a model of how to do it. Okay. We are going to follow that up and talk about uh, receiving criticism and giving criticism right after this short break. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. We're back. Uh, man up, we are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 16. Paul is talking about the criticism he gave the Corinthian church and the results. And we're going to carry it over now into our time. Because uh, giving and receiving criticism is something we as men often have to do, not only with our families, but certainly in the workplace. We deal with personalities, and it's hard. It's something... We're not really trained to do. We learn, humans learn on the job. And it's, uh, I think there are very few people in the world who are naturally gifted to give criticism and receive it. Um, usually it's bungle, and I've done it plenty of times. Um, but also, I think it's a chance here 
to really exhibit um, Christianity. It's a, it's, a, it's a great chance for Christians to set an example because the right way to give criticism, the Christian way to give criticism drives, or I should say, I should say basically matches really what the best psychologists and the best counselors talk about. So let's, I'm going to go back to, to Robert because you're beginning to get into it. What, what, as we, what, what as men can we take away from this? How do we learn and how do we do I think the criticism? First th the first thing that we learn from Paul is don't shy away from doing it. Because I think even when it agree, I mean, wouldn't you guys agree that even when it hurt him, he leveled the criticism. We're not seeing it in this letter, the specific criticism. Although I, I think we've seen allusions to it in other chapters and other studies we've done. Yeah. But he's got it. We've got to, <clears throat> A, be willing to do it. But then I think the second thing is, is don't let it be personal. And I think that was the biggest thing for him. Is if you notice in this, and this was a little different, is a lot of times when Paul criticized people in his writing, he named them. You know, he named <laughs> Peter. You know, flat out <laughs> in Galatians, his face. Oh yeah, and in face too. Yeah, I got, I got his face. <laughs> then, then two people, then two probably. I would love to have been a flaw in the wall with discussions around them because mm -hmm. they were both, you know, just pillars of the faith, but both very stubborn men in their own way. Um, so they were going through it, but then also, I think, you know. He, when you look at it in here, he doesn't really name the people. He, he names the behaviors. He alludes to mm -hmm. some stuff more right. so than the direct approach that right. he usually takes. His, right. takes. Um, you know, when you talk criticism, it all comes down to, to both sides of it. It's delivery and receiving mm -hmm. of it. It's can you give that criticism in a Christian way, you know, and then at the same time, you know, well, like you said, receive it in a Christian way. Don't take it personal. You know, don't deliver it personal and don't take it personal. It's a corrective statement if it's delivered and received correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, and so often we can get our backs up. You well, know? Especially guys, because, you know, we like to be right. Yeah. We're, we're ask guys. our wives, right? Ask our wives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our wives will all say we're always right about everything. That's correct. At the same time that we're wrong about everything. Yeah, I was about uh, to say, I don't think my wife's going to say that. <laughs> no, no, no. My wife will say I'm totally right as I'm totally wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and tell me that at the same sentence, by the way. In the same sentence. Yeah. Um, but, but it's getting, like you said, Kyle, I think it's receiving the criticism. I think receiving the criticism... And I think maybe that we talk about that too. How how do you receive criticism as a as a man, where or as a Christian and as a man, where like you said, I think the first thing is Kyle, like you said, don't take it personal, right? Well, even if you do right as it's given, try and step back after that moment and try and listen to what the person told you. It may not be correct, but more often than not they'll actually give you a hint into something that makes your life better. You know, whether it's just tweaking the way you're doing something or total overhaul of, you know, your way of thinking. doesn't matter. You usually glean that, at least something out of their criticisms. The old count to ten before you respond. 
Yes. Um, actually, on that same notion, I don't know if I said it in, in the podcast or whatever, but uh, if somebody, to bring it full circle for today, if somebody gives you criticism in an email, your natural tendency is to oh, yeah. hit reply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> actually, it's reply all, but... <laughs> yeah. What I do is I may hit reply or reply all, and then I strip the names out of the sub out of the uh, recipient line, so that you can't accidentally send it before you have a chance to take that extra mm-hmm. minute or have your coworker read it to make sure that you're not going to get yourself in trouble, you know. Um, and so, just a good piece of advice in this day and age: take that recipient out of there so you don't accidentally send it because before you read, type anything. Before you type, it, yes, sir. Before you type anything, yeah, because recall doesn't really recall the email. <laughs> you know, they're gonna go, "Why didn't he want you to read that?" So, uh, just a something to keep in mind. And I guess you also kind of have to be prepared to bring some forbearance, which is incredibly difficult. It's easy to say here because, first of all, you may do something wrong. You may do something worthy of criticism. Mm-hmm. And the person criticizing you, rather than saying, uh, you did that wrong, uh, or, or you did that incorrectly, or you should have done it this way, re- doing the actual say, you're stupid. What a stupid thing to do. How stupid can you be? That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's you know, you, you see that all the time. Yeah. And that, that, of course, immediately puts the, the recipient on the defensive. It engenders bad feelings. And it's, uh, it makes it that much more of a, of a, uh, of a <clears throat> challenge to get over. So uh, kind of as a Christian, sometimes you've got to try hard to let that aside and again do that job yourself of, well, what is he really mad about? What is he not articulating? Or can I go back to him and say... What? Excuse me. What exactly? Please rephrase that in something I can understand uh, and change. But that's hard, and I, it's it's uh, and you know it's it's and it's so much easier because you, because for to give criticism you have to be you have to first of all sit down and think about <laughs> getting back to your distraction nation. Then you have to sit and think about what about this did I not like. Um, what what about this was wrong? Can I articulate that and correct that without just saying what a stupid thing to do? I, I think, I, I, and maybe this is, I think the distraction part helps us to that because we want to blow up because we want to get it dealt with instantly. And as Kyle said, that's not always the best answer. You know, it, it's probably better to sit and think about it before we let it go and just blow it up and go through, sit and think about it for a little bit. But, you know, in our mind, we've got, okay, we got to deal with this right now because i got to get to the next thing mm-hmm. as I go through. And so I think the culture actually encourages that distraction piece from us as we go through. Well, I, I think you could compare this... <laughs> In a way, and I'm always trying to compare it with our driving abilities, but I think of road rage. <laughs> yeah. Robert and Steve, whenever you guys say that, if you automatically respond to criticism without thinking it through and trying to determine 
what the other person was trying to communicate to you if you don't do the, go to the basis of their their statement or whatever the email in, in case Kyle mentioned that to me. So I'm thinking uh, uh, road rage because you want to respond in a in a manner that upsets you. So well, and I. I was mentioning to Steve before we started here, you know, I, I don't know how people drive in this city on the freeways all the time, every day, same commute. You through know, rush hour. Through rush hour, yes. Because, yes. uh, you know, I, I take this one channel and uh, it's always congested. I've heard on the news that that one little section that I'm referring to here in Houston is one of the most congested in the nation, in the nation. of a, a double freeway intersection thing. Sure. And, you know, you go from 60 miles an hour to zero, and then you sit, and you creep. And, you know, you can tell the people that are frustrated. Maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe they're late. Maybe their baby's being born, you know, and just got that call, and they're just trying to get there. Of course, I would have my hazards, and I'd be on my horn to let people know I need to go. But, you know... I understand how they can really get there very, very easily because that's uh, bumper to bumper traffic. If you've ever been in it, is very frustrating. It's very nerve wracking to you know just start stop. You can't take your eyes off of anyone around you because if they're on that distracted nation phone of theirs, you just lost a bumper or a fender or you know something like that. So you know. Especially if you're late getting somewhere. And, and in right. Houston, you generally know what they mean by That's their right. hand gestures. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Usually That's not the most Christian. Nonverbal communication. <laughs> yes, but you know, honestly, I've got uh, a sticker on the back of my car from a local Christian radio station that says God listens uh, on the back. And I try to remind myself when you're feeling that yourself of. Or are they going to see my hand gesture going up and then look at my back windshield and go, well, there's a contradiction or, you know, a hypocrite, you know, that he didn't portray that Christian manner. And so when I'm in my car, I really do try to keep that sticker in the forefront of my mind. You know, anything you can do to remind yourself to be more like Christ. Because mm -hmm. how would Christ put up with the freeway system? You know, <laughs> he'd walk. He'd walk. <laughs> he'd walk on country. He'd bless the traffic. <laughs> yeah, and I think he would. You know, but it, but it, it, and I think, like you said, Mike, and I think that's a really good parallel because it's something everyone relates to. Because everybody, most everybody, drives somewhere at some point. Most men are out driving a commute, trying to go somewhere, um, and. Like you said, Kyle, you know, it's like my wife called me the other day because she pulled out and for some reason she literally got on the road she goes normally with no problems and it was stop and go from the minute she got on it until she got to her office. You know, and of course, you know, I'm sitting there going, well, I've got a really great commute now with no traffic and I drive 40 miles and go yeah. 80 the whole yeah. way. Yeah. But <laughs> nah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did mine for two years. Right. <laughs> you know, but... But trying to put up with that, and, and you get frustrated because, you know, if something happens and you left a little late, and then all of a sudden you hit that, and oh, by the way, as you were going out the door, little Johnny looked at you and said, oh, it's my turn to bring snacks for school today, so now you've got to stop and pick something up at Walgreens and pay three mm -hmm. times as much for it, because yeah. they're the only place open, and so you're lighter to begin with, and, you know, and all that compounds in. 
as you go through and approach it. So, I, I do want to talk about one more thing in the, in the lesson, and, and the, that's the, the author of the study here in, in Corrections and Counsel, the title of the book, mentions the difference between worldly regret and godly sorrow. The result of a receiving criticism and then one's reaction to it. Um, worldly regret and godly sorrow. The yeah, author I have said, an outline too. You have the outline. Bring, no, no, no. I have it. I have yes, it highlighted. The, the outline. Talk about what, that. what I say. What I'd say is, worldly regret is kind of. I, I'm sorry I got caught. Yes. Uh, yes. That's a good point. That's uh, godly right. sorrow. Mortification is for being found out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is the exact word in the book. Mortification for being, being found, found out. out. <laughs> Lord, and and, and right. the easiest and, way to think about it: embarrassed. Embarrassed. And. Uh, as as opposed to a, a, a taking it to heart as we go mm -hmm. back to the message. Well, we um, have to be careful we don't do that. Even yeah. as Christians, right? Um, we don't look on the part and say, oh, darn, I got caught. <laughs> Instead of saying, you know, I am wrong. Uh, I am make sure to wrong. use a better password for my internet history. That's a good example. example. That's a good actually. example. Um, but it talks about the that it, it can sometimes develop into a fear, destruction, isolation, or an action, you know, was sometimes below beyond them as they look at it, that they basically get caught in feeling sorry for themselves and messing and oh my gosh, now I've been caught and oh what am I gonna do? Do you when I when I read this I thought about and I'm gonna date myself, uh, Richard Nixon and Charles Coulson. Yeah. Richard Nixon, I think, was worldly regret. It, it took him a long time to really admit that what he did was wrong. He, he made a lot of defenses and a lot of excuses for it. Uh, Charles Coulson uh, was a member of his cabinet, for those catching up on history. He was Nixon's hatchet man. If you needed, uh, he, he, he was involved in, this is ancient history, a break-in of Daniel Ellsberg, uh, he, he pretty much, he might have, he, pretty much if there was a job for the plumbers to do, he was the guy who coordinated. He did go to jail, but he, in a very Paul-like way, did have an honest-to-goodness conversion and became an evangelical Christian, began a number of prison re ministries, mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, oh, really turned his life completely around. And I think there was an example of godly sorrow. He was truly sorry for the life he had been leading in politics and, uh, and changed it. Nixon we don't know about, I mean, we know, we do know it took him a while. We do know it, he was bitter. All those oh, things you was, said. He bitter. was bitter 10 to 15 years later. <laughs> yes. Well, um, there, there's a, there was a Time Magazine article, mm -hmm. and it was when Anwar Sadat was killed. Ronald Reagan got Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford, and Richard Nixon. To all three go to the funeral together, and and there was a couple of reporters on the plane, and he talked about that in the very beginning, especially that Nixon kind of stood off by himself with his eyes kind of darting around and being afraid to talk to anybody because of his experience, you know, versus Ford and Carter, and you know, no matter what political side you're on, 
the the ex presidents is the smallest club in the world. Yeah. <laughs> no. right. yeah. <laughs> you know, and those guys typically all get along and talk to mm -hmm. each other all the time yeah. because of that. <laughs> and you know, and even in that instance where it's just three of them, they're on a plane, flying somewhere for an extended period of time. He still couldn't open up to talk to people about after he had gone and it's funny I remembered that as you were sitting there talking I was like oh yeah he, I remember that and that was 1980 so that was eight years later mm -hmm. or 80 years no, less 81, than six, nine years older he resigned yeah. in 74 yes yeah, 74 that's right mm -hmm. so uh, any other thoughts on this because I do want to go back to very briefly to Dr. Johnston but uh, anyway so so uh this is uh, really difficult, uh, giving and receiving criticism. It's something everybody has to work on. Uh, so certainly don't ignore conflict. Uh, keep things in, con uh, in context. Try not to make it personal and allow for that godly sorrow. Uh, in addition to having Bob Billups from Baptist Way here Sunday, it was a banner day here at Sugarland Baptist. Yeah, it was. <laughs> we had our, our it's either tends to be bi-monthly or quarterly men's uh, books and burgers night last Sunday. And uh, Dr. Jeremy John Jeremiah Johnson, uh, who is a professor of early Christianity at Houston Baptist University and lives, at least in the extended neighborhood, uh, is a neighbor of one of our pastors here. Yes, he he's lives, lives in... in uh, in, in I guess what his address I think would be Richmond, which is next to Sugarland. But we'll we we we'll make him an honorary Sugarland re resident. Uh, a terrific author, number number of books. But uh, briefly, what did you find remarkable about the? And, and he kept talking about unimaginable, un unimaginable, which is what the world would be like without Christianity. And he discussed how, or he discusses in the book how, at one level, there's we know what the world was like without Christianity. We can look at what the world was like with Christianity, and we can look at what it's like when the world when Christianity has been removed from the world. And, and he kind of broke those three pieces out, and and he talked about how cheap human life was, you know, in the pre-day. You know, and, and to the point he related to the letter that you and I were discussing, Steve, Sunday, about the the wife that basically her husband was working in another city. This is, this is 30, about, 40 years before Christ. Right, about 50 B.C. Yeah, about 50 B.C. And, and he, was, he was in Egypt. And, yeah, and this was Egypt a letter they, they found. He was just a working man. It was an yeah. incredible and, and he, find. when he left, he knew his wife was pregnant. And the statement was... I pray you are well. If and if you when you give birth, if it's a boy, raise it and do all that. If it was a girl, throw it out. And that was in essence the language because a daughter born at that time would be exposed until they they put them out overnight. Oh, well, it was a dowry. It was an expense. It was yeah. dowry. It was. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was. And so no potential. Yeah. Worth. And Christians, one of the, the early Christians, were known for running around and picking these babies up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And rescuing them basically, because if somebody didn't want a baby, they would just throw it out. You know, it, wow. and so it, it, it struck me as we're moving. And he talked about this. It's something that I've been hearing a lot about over the last ten years or so with different 
speakers and different things is I've been going to youth conferences with our youth group about we're, that we're in a post-Christian world. Not that we were ever a Christian nation, but that our world most our nation most definitely had a Christian influence. So we were talking earlier about families being distracted and too much going on. And we all remember the day there was no Little League, there was no soccer, there was nothing open. Sunday was sacrosanct your church, whether you went to church or not. And if you didn't go to church and you went out to eat, you got up and got dressed as if you went to church before you went out to eat. <laughs> so that people would think you went to church. And, you know, now we're talking about families having to choose. Well, if my kid's playing soccer, I have to miss church because I have to take my kid to the soccer tournament. What, what I found remarkable, I mean, remarkable, and, and especially he, 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 he grabs the bull by the horns. He says there, and, and, and I'm not... I'm not exaggerating here. There are people outright saying it would be a great thing if we as a nation got over this Christianity stuff. If we move past religion. Um, it's been, it, 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 leaders have said it. You see it under attack. His rebuttal to that, and it was, general rebuttal is the book, uh, how, much, how much Christianity is added. As, a, as, a, as an overview, he makes a very strong case, and I invite anybody to, to contest it, that Christianity introduced the idea that every individual has value just because they are human. Nobody is more or less valuable or more important than anybody else. Everybody is born with, a, with, with, with liberty and freedom and as, a, as in the image of God. And almost everything after that, I mean, even all our policy today, we can argue about politics, but that's, that's really what we're trying to do there, care for the most vulnerable. Um, but the nicest thing he summed it up, it, because he, he went back to Paul's writing, there is no, before God, there is no man, there is no woman, woman there, is no, there is no slave, there is no free. Essentially, he said, any time, and he, ta he, he talked about some more repressive countries uh, where women are treated inferior under the law, uh, where wi women and girls are trafficked without, with, with full knowledge and benign neglect of the state government. Of the, and he said, basically, whenever you see a woman and a man in a store, in a restaurant, <coughs> eating together, working together, whenever you see a white man and a black man, or a white person and a black person, or a foreign person working together, wherever you see that, <coughs> Scripture has come first. Scripture was there before that, and that is true. Uh, so that is it. it is it is uh, it was a great book. Yeah, and and I want to encourage everybody. You can follow Jeremiah Johnston on Twitter at underscore Jeremiah J, and you can follow him on Facebook at Christian Thinker Society, and he has his own podcast. One of his big things he wanted to do was encourage that if we're going to argue these points with the world that we have to be able to argue from a thinking perspective. And so you I want to encourage everyone to, with your mind and your heart, <coughs> as you go through and be able to argue these pieces as a thinking man and be able to do that. So I want to so encourage all of So he makes a lot of points on that. this website, Robert, is that correct? It, it's the website, but it was the book. I mean, the book is phenomenal. I'm, I'm really, I was really upset that I wasn't able to finish it, mm -hmm. but unfortunately two doses of antibiotics and it's, it's a very good that, that, that last third is a lot more hopeful yeah. than and so the, I'm, the, the I'm really looking forward to trying to get in the book 
I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to get a little downtime while I'm driving around teenagers this weekend to sit and don't, read. Don't read while driving. I will yes. not read while driving the teenagers. Yeah. Maybe I'll get some downtime while I'm driving. <laughs> All right. <laughs> not while driving, while they're doing other functions. I will try to Why don't you tell us bit. about this weekend? Yeah, this weekend is another big weekend. Our um, youth group at our church is doing Disciple Now. We have a speaker coming in and a band coming in. Our teenagers are spending the weekend in host homes all weekend long, broken up by grades with small group Bible studies and doing mission projects on Saturday in addition. Is it so, or is anybody invited to come? Or all of any of our youth, any our youth are at this point. It's grades six through twelve. Okay. So we're allocated out and ready to go. So okay. and encourage people. You know, if you are listening and you have teenagers and you are in the Shoreland area, I would encourage you to come check our youth group out. We got a Brand new youth minister who is doing some phenomenal things with our young people these days. And that's coming from somebody who hasn't grown up and has been up on the third floor teaching for 15 years. So, so I don't get to experience the man-up group. I'm hanging with the teenagers. <laughs> but we do appreciate you here every week. Okay, uh, any other thoughts on, on the lesson? On, on, uh I, I, I do want to, uh, I'll let the other guys wrap up on the lesson itself. So this is our 89th podcast, and so we are approaching our 100. Mm-hmm. Just want to start talking about that a little bit. But I know we have listeners all over the country, and I do want to let the people in the Midwest, Kyle was joking, I opened my weather app up and took oh, a look yeah. at Chicago, and the feel-like temperature in minus Chicago, 16, minus, th- well, the real temperature is minus 14, the feel-like temperature is minus 30. And I heard on the news or read one of the two this afternoon coming in that um, there are several places that are now without power Wow! in that area. And that, that is, I, I have, the coldest I have ever felt in my lifetime is five when I was in Tennessee once. I, I can't imagine anything that feels like negative something at all, and I can't and I can't imagine being anywhere where there's no heat. In a, lot of, a lot of them run on natural gas up there. Uh, so there's natural gas issues. It's so cold, even. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought the same thing, Kyle, and went, oh wow, because what I'm more concerned about is people's power cuts off, so the heater can't run because it does need electricity to run, and people use their stove. Yes. to try to keep warm and carbon monoxide and you know I think there's going to be a great human toll at the end of this so I just want to kind of give a shout that we're thinking and praying of you from here because I know we have listeners all over the country so I want to make a comment yeah, yeah. About, the, the, about the lesson coming back to lesson day giving and receiving criticism folks you may observe someone and this is what Robert and Steve and I believe Kyle's mentioned too may observe a fellow Christian that may do something wrong. And, and remember, remember, it's it's also about you receiving criticism from others. But just because you see a brother or sister Christian that do something that you think they need discipline about, be sure and pray about it. Because you might be correct as far as them needing discipline, but it may not be the timing, the correct timing for you to share it with them. Because timing is very important, folks. Uh, one day, uh, uh, Paul prayed about this. Before he criticized the Corinthians, he thought awful hard about how he was going to say it and what he did. And I can tell you the same thing is true with me. 
if you catch me, like we said, if it, maybe I'm driving home from work and I almost have a wreck because somebody cut in front of me, don't come and criticize me about something I just did at work. Give me a good hour to cool down. <laughs> so I want to say, be when you, it, it, we're encouraging and the author is encouraging us to not shy away from criticism when somebody does something wrong. Mm -hmm. He's just be be careful how you say it and don't attack them, right? Mm -hmm. And which and, Steve and was note very, your very timing. Detailed. Note your timing. What you said. Yes. <laughs> okay. Kyle, anything. You know, it's just like I said earlier, you know, for this lesson when it's, you know, giving and receiving criticism, it's trying to hold your tongue and use it properly, you know, and then to be able to receive it as well, you know, and even if it's something that's hard to hear, uh, you know, <clears throat> as I think you said it earlier, Robert, you know, none of us like to hear it, none of us really like to receive it, but we all need it. And so to be able to remember that and apply that, you know, every day when you're getting it or when you do get it, hopefully not every day, uh, <clears throat> you know, but to try and re give it and receive it Christ-like. Well, thank you. Uh, and if you're listening out there and you have any thoughts, comments uh, to add, certainly uh, visit our Facebook page, Man Up Spiritual Laces. Uh, we are on Twitter. Uh, all our podcasts, uh, 89 on back to number one, are on SoundCloud. Subscribe, like, comment again. And uh, if you're looking for uh, something in your life that's feel us miss missing, um, certainly check out a Bible-based church in your area and... Uh, even buy a Bible, get one from the library, take a look at it. Uh, scripture, as we've learned this week, is very powerful. Uh, we urge you to find a church. We urge you to become part of a community of believers, even a men's group uh, at your local church. Again, uh, thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time. This is Steve Titch with Bill Robert, Robert Koshu, <laughs> Kyle Trahan and Mike Cropper, and a big shout out to Bill, wherever you are. We hope you're feeling better and resting up. This has been Man Up. Yeah, you better be at home resting up. <laughs> You've been listening to Man Up. You've got I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.